I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Tonight we are hosting Kyle Nathan, friend of the pod and uh, semi-accomplished amateur golfer. We're going to do a uh, new thing. We're going to do mailbag via podcast. We'll just go through kind of your Twitter questions, some email questions, and uh, just give our thoughts on them. Kyle, welcome on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Semi accomplished is generous, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let's uh, let's answer some questions. Yeah, it should be uh, should be fun. We got some really good questions. Um, <laughs> with it being P- PGA Championship week, I feel like we should kick off with a question from Chad from Deer Park. How big of a disgrace is the lack of PGA Championship coverage? It's bad. I think I saw it earlier today. It's on from one to seven, um, which is insanity because I felt like the British Open, I mean, they were forcing you to watch these guys make eight on the first hole at four in the morning, um, 13 hours of coverage or something. But TNT decides to go with six hours of coverage. You miss Spieth, uh, play Thursday, and obviously he's probably one of the top storylines of the week. And I'm not sure what you, you also get kind of a bad crew. I like Ernie Johnson a lot, but I don't know golf or baseball. Do I really like him in? But yeah, so it, I'm not a big fan of the coverage. Yeah, I mean, there's something like how does a how does a network get rights for something and only do one tournament a year? Like, it is insane. I think also TNT is contractually obligated to air 14 hours of Law and Order a day. So I'm sure that interferes with that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I watch NBA basketball in the playoffs, and when they have the you know TNT playoffs, I I used to fall asleep to the games all the time, like the late game, and I'd mm-hmm. always wake up in the morning and it'd be that show about witches like Charmed would be on my TV, and I'd be like, who watches this in the morning? <laughs> I think I've seen Charmed eight times for that exact purpose reason. It's it's kind of crazy. It's um, you know, in today's modern era, I know you can stream it, but it's like, how do you not have TV coverage? It's like I think I I counted uh, twenty eight hours of live coverage for the PGA versus fifty hours of live coverage for the Open Championship. Like, it, yeah, I mean that's literally insane. That that should never happen. It, and they also like, I mean, everybody's looking at this like. Why is the PGA like like the the chi- the fourth child nobody cares about? Like maybe this is one of the issues. Yeah, for sure it is. It it absolutely is. It's it's hard to compete with the ma- obviously you're not going to compete with the Masters. You're not going to compete with a tournament that goes by the Open Championship. This the United States Open is so big. I mean, there's got to be a better way to present your product than showing six hours of it on TNT. I mean, that 
That is crazy to me. It's, There's more baseball on MLB Network tonight than six hours. You know what I mean? And it's just doesn't make sense. It's um, it's a major championship, and it's like six hours of, of TV coverage is like is it, it is a disgrace, as Chad from Deer Park said. It's, uh, I agree with Chad. <laughs> it's, uh, and it, it goes to this this bigger thing of of you know thinking a date switch is going to solve this problem. Like they they are never going to compete with those four, and, and I the bigger issue is is moving the date now all of a sudden. You the PGA Championship instead of competing against MLB baseball in August is now going to move into May. Compete with the NBA, the NHL playoffs, and also um, I think there's like the Preakness is on a Saturday. So all of a sudden now you're you're running up against two of the most popular times of two big sports. Right, and I think what you know one of the main goals of this obviously is to increase interest in the FedEx Cup, right? I mean, that's what everyone's been saying. But, I mean, I, I don't care about the FedEx Cup now. I can't imagine that, I mean, if it starts two weeks earlier, three weeks, will I really care that much more? I mean, it's still going to overlap a little bit in the football season. I, I just, I think it's a mistake. Uh, you're losing so many golf courses that potentially could have severe weather issues, which I'm, I'm okay with, I think, but I, I'm not sure they'll be okay with because the logistics of everything with, you know, having to extend it to a Monday or, you know, worst case, even a Tuesday due to snow in, in Rochester or Wisconsin, you know, in May. I mean, that could easily happen. Hey, reigning Williams uh, Invitational champ. Hey, so hey. How, how good is uh, Oak Hill? Oh, so good. It's one of my, it's definitely in my top three or four. It's, it's, it's just so good. It's so fair. It's hard to imagine a golf course with less gimmicks. That is so hard. I mean, it's just straightforward, um, mint shape. And I, I'm glad they're doing the redo because they did have those three or four holes that don't really go with the rest of the course. I mean, they're still good, but you're kind of just like, this doesn't really fit in. Um, so going back to the original design, I think will make it that much better. Yeah, I was uh, I was talking to a superintendent who moved a Chicago course from Oak Hill. And he was saying that he he's he's like that that place is going to be guaranteed top ten in the country after the uh, after the restoration and getting a, getting the the Fazio out and the Ross back. So it'll be it'll be interesting. You you touched on uh, on the switch to May and, and kind of the limited courses and the new courses also. So there's you know obviously now instead of having northern courses there's going to be a lot more southern courses you live you live in florida um so what are some new courses and aj where we got a lot of questions about this but what are some of the new courses that you you know are excited to see potentially see uh now that it's in may and in these courses like texas florida southern states can be more prevalent hosts you know, I, I think that um, Texas has some really good options. I think Champions, I just I played in the four ball there earlier this spring, and that's a golf course that you could set up really hard. Um, it's a big golf course. You know, it can host a ton of people, and it has hosted big events in the past. I think that would be 
an easy first option would be to go to Champions and staying in Houston, Carlton Woods. I was going to uh, ask about those too. Oh, they're so, I mean, they're so good. I, I, I don't, you know, they're very hard too. You can, I mean, <clears throat> you can make the winning score kind of whatever you want, I feel like, especially if the wing gets up out there. Uh, Dallas National I haven't played, but I've seen a lot of mentions of it on Twitter, so I imagine that would be a good spot. And Austin Country Club, where they have the, um, or not Austin Country Club, Austin Golf Club, um, where they don't have the uh, match play there now. That's a really good golf course. Um, I think that Trinity Forest, that new new one in Dallas, that's going to take over for the um, for uh, was it Dina Deluca? Is it Dina Deluca? It's the one, yeah. not not the Colonial, the other the other one down there um, that's taken over for like TPC Four Seasons. Um, that's another one. I'd like to see, um, I guess, you know, from Port what Crenshaw, I... Crenshaw, right? Yeah. Um, the Streamsong Black Course, people are saying, might be an option down in Florida. I uh, I wouldn't be very excited about Doral, but that's being floated around. Oh, I, I, for some reason, I was going to ask you about Streamsong, actually. I, I cannot picture a major championship being in Florida. I Yeah, it's, it's hard to... There, there aren't really many good options, and Streamsong, the tough thing is, like, the infrastructure. Like, I, it's it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Like, where are people going to stay? But, it, I mean, in the middle of nowhere is, is kind of similar to how Aaron Hills was this year, and that worked out right. okay. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it's tricky. I don't know about, I don't know about Streamsong. MacArthur? No, nah, I, don't, I don't think, it's infrastructure, you know? Right, it's like, it's like Metalist MacArthur down in South Florida. I I just don't think there's enough space for grandstands. You know, it's like a swamp. Right. No, I I, I agree. I, I have a hard time picturing it to be honest. But I think it it does open up like um you know pr- potentially Pinehurst, Pinehurst mm-hmm. would be an interesting one. Uh, Shoal Creek in uh, Alabama. Ha- you, I think they hosted a couple PGAs in the '90s where they had record attendance. So, yeah, they definitely have. So that'd be an interesting one, and, and Alabama is like starved for anything, any time, big time events. Country so, Club of Birmingham would actually be really cool too. That golf course is awesome. The the Ross course, or they they might both be Ross, but um, I think it's the East course. There is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had the uh, the USGA state team too. Mm-hmm. I you know an interesting thing would be if the USGA just says like fuck you to the PGA. And awards like LACC, a couple majors or a couple U.S. Opens, Riviera won, like, and just plans it out for like thirty years, and takes up takes over all the the West Coast courses. Because then, I mean, there's Chambers Bay too, but the, I think they got to fix those greens. Uh, from what I heard from even the latest Pacific Coast Am buzz, was the greens were even worse than they were for the U.S. Open. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. That's surprising, given how bad they looked on tv uh-huh so and then there's obviously valhalla which i don't i don't think it gets anybody excited um looks so, cool but yeah i agree um so uh we got a couple uh president's cup questions here from ben mcnamara if uh the president's cup list was finalized today and it's 10 usa team rookies do you have to pick uh, Phil and Patrick Reed to round out the team. 
Yes. I, th- I mean, you have to, th- yeah, I don't think there's much wiggle room there. I think Reed is the American polter, right? He's a polarizing figure who, for some reason, plays his best golf during the Ryder Cup. And, I mean, you know, Poulter at Medina a few years ago when he when the legend grew, he wasn't even playing well going in. And then, you know, the European team's getting killed. All of a sudden, he makes a couple putts. He's, you know, flailing his fists around, and they come back and win. So you need some somebody like that, especially on a on a, such a young team where guys might be reluctant to, uh, you know, display their emotions. Yeah. Um, and obviously Mickelson, you get the leadership presence and also, you know, one of the best golfers. Yeah, you also couple, like, so Reed's 11th, so that's kind of a no-brainer. Even, he's, he hasn't played well, he's still 11th. And then you look at the list around Mickelson, you got Brian Harmon. He, I, I wouldn't mind Brian Harmon. I think he's a guy that could be a really good... Um, match play player. He played. Yeah, two. he's a bulldog. Yeah, you would not want to play him in match play. No, no. And uh, then you got Duffner, uh, Snedeker, Steele, Woodland, and then Phil. But like nobody on that list. Like I, I would be excited about Harmon getting a chance. But like, you, I don't think you pass up the experience of Phil. Um, as cliche as experiences in in team match play. You know, it's still golf. Yeah, I think that's real. I don't even think Steele's parents would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they picked Phil over you. You know, I, I just think it's pretty clear. Pretty yeah. clear those would be your two guys. Uh huh. I would like to see Harmon play his way on. Maybe he uh, plays well at uh, Quill Hollow and moves up. But I, I would, too. I remember seeing, uh, you know, they people were wondering who he was going into the last round of the U.S. Open that might not be avid watchers of golf. And I think... Um, Maybe it was Tron or somebody tweeted out that uh, he beat Ricky Fowler in a match so bad Ricky cried. <laughs> he's like, he's not afraid of the big moment and he's not afraid to you know step on your throat, which is exactly what you need in those formats. I had I had Sean Martin on the pod earlier who he he covered a ton of college and amateur golf at Golf Week before he moved over to the tour, and he was talking about he he just did an interview with Harmon and Harmon talked about how. You know, I, I was the same age as Harmon growing up. How Harmon, if there, if Twitter existed and, and the internet and social media, he might have turned pro right out of out of high school. Because I mean, he won everything. He was a, right. he was on the Walker Cup at age seventeen. Oh yeah, I remember his name as well. He he was unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it, it it's kind of crazy when you think about the then versus now. Um, it's it's but. Um, the next uh, President's Cup question is from Ben also. How big of a deal should it be if Hao Tong Li becomes the first Chinese player in it? I mean, I think it would be about as big of a deal as you can get. I, you know, there's a lot, a lot of articles being written recently. You know, golf's on the decline and, you know, struggling. How are they going to reach new fans, new viewers? And this would 1,000% be a great way to do that. You have one of the biggest populations in the world, um, and China. I mean, China, as we've seen with some of the WGC, has good golf courses. Um, so, for for one of their own to play, um, you know, you could like. I mean, it would just be massive. Yeah, it'd probably be the highest rated Presidents Cup we've had ever. I I mean, 
when you think about it too, is we saw the the web.com winner a couple of weeks ago that Marty Doe was is a is a Chinese native too. It's like it, it's starting. To, you know, you're you're starting to see a lot of Chinese names pop up even in like the amateur tournaments, um, and it's becoming kind of you know it's it's a little bit behind Japan and Korea, but it, it's becoming a golf you know. Uh, kind of another another country that can compete in golf. And I think that's really big when you look at, you know, the global sport and the Olympics and the World Cup, um, getting more countries involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, it's not like it's going to be a gimmick either. The guy almost scooped the open. You know, he's, he can play. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think uh, it's, that's, a, that's a really big deal. Um, mm-hmm. And I... I what is their population second to India, or is it the most populous country? I probably should. Know. Uh, it's got to be in the top three. I mean that for sure. But yeah. I don't know that either. <laughs> we are we are pretty horrible people. It's got to be one or two. Am I forgetting? Yeah, I, I mean I would get Russia's probably up there. Yeah, Russia. I uh, that's that's scary that neither of us know what we are idiot Americans. Um, I can tell you their GDP, but I can't tell you the population. <laughs> um, Stefan. What would professional golf be like if golfers weren't independent contractors and instead run like other major leagues? This is a great question. It is a good question. I've always wondered why, if you made golf a team sport, if you could actually pull it off. And the answer is probably no. But, you know, if you had five or six golfers from each city, it would kind of be funny because you think about it now. Golfers are so well treated by fans. You know, if they're playing poorly, it's like, um, oh, this poor guy, you know, he's struggling with his swing, blah, blah, blah. Whereas if you look at, you know, the Cubs' Twitter tonight, they're like, oh, this bullpen fucking sucks, you know, fire him all. Could you imagine if this guy, you know, finished double, double to lose your golf game for Chicago? I mean, they would just get killed. <laughs> and, you know, now it's like, oh, you know, poor guy. He's just, you know, he can't putt. It's so sad. It's like the complete opposite. It's really interesting, too, when you think about, um, like, each team would have their own stadium course. That would be awesome. And, like, you could build your your golf team around your home golf course advantage. I mean, it, and you could even design, I mean, I don't know, it would get pretty wonky if you could design it, too. I, I mean, then you, it, it, it would be crazy. I think the other thing would be, like. It would be cool. I like the idea the the minor league system where all of a sudden like the web.com and and mini tours like if you don't get insurance you don't have like your transportation costs covered by a team it's basically like hey if if you don't play well you don't get paid but like minor league baseball you could go into a slump and it's it's not like your livelihoods at, at jeopardy right i mean they all, you know they always talk about guys on the minor leagues you know can't you know they they eat their ramen and you know, but they're still getting the money to pay the ramen. The guys on the mini tour that don't have sponsorships, I mean, they're sleeping in their car still to this day and age. And, you know, they, they, there's nothing, no wiggle room for bad golf. Yeah. It's, if you don't play well, you, you, you're going to be out of a job or just hemorrhaging money. Yeah. Uh, uh, thoughts on the future of Willett from Isaiah? Um. Yeah. Anybody that can win the Masters, it's hard to write off and say he 
is not a good golfer, not a great golfer, but he maybe, you know, maybe he won the masters and said, you know what, I won a major, forget it. And I'm going to enjoy life, play a little golf here and there. I mean, you don't know what goes on mentally with these guys, but I mean, I could see him being, I mean, I don't think he'll have anywhere near the career of your boy Westwood, who, you know, famously or infamously has never won a major. But I mean, I, I would think that Westwood's career would blow. Um, even Paul Casey would probably blow Willits out of the water, I think, when it's all said and done. But you never know. I mean, it could be a, you know, it could be a one and done. It could be a wait a few years and play better. You just never know. Yeah, I, I, it, golf's such a funny game, and I think it, you look at Willett, He was the, I think he was the top ranked amateur in the world at one time, and he had this terrible back injury, and he came back from it. And you know, he's won five times in five years from 2012 till 2017. So like, you know, it's it's there, and he right. and he's got a major. I mean, like when you think about that at 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 just that like he's got a major and four other wins it's you know it's a decent career i mean he's kind of a fluky winner at that if he doesn't win again um i think he's he's struggling with injuries again is what i understand i mean he he finished like 40 shots behind matsuyama last week which is kind of frightening um injuries i mean that's like you know the parallel would be like trevor immelman you know he won the masters and then kind of went away but that was mainly almost, you know, primarily due to injuries. But, you know, not that many people can win the Masters. I mean, all these guys are great, but, I mean, how many people could actually go out there on Sunday and win the Masters at 30, 40? Mm-hmm. So he's got that inside of him. Um, I, I wouldn't write him off, but the the returns this year have not been promising. No, I, I saw he changed his coach this week, too. So. Oh, boy, that's never good. <laughs> no, not good. It's, uh, it's, Will, I, I'm, I'm not right, I, I might be buying Will stock at this point. I think I'd probably buy some. I'd, I'd take a dabble. Yeah, it's, he, he's, uh, he's a penny stock right now. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, uh, actually, he's kind of like Twitter. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about my Twitter investment. <laughs> uh, which, co- uh, recent college grad... All right, this is from Andrew Gentil. Um, which recent college grad that has had success, and, and he means got his card, is the most surprising given his track record? And like, who's way exceeded expectations? You know, in terms of recent guys, I don't know how recent he's asking. Sorry, Andrew, but you know, Keegan Bradley would be one name that pops to mind immediately when I hear that question. Uh, you know, Zach Johnson. I mean, the guy has two majors. That's insane. And, you know, played golf in Iowa at Drake. Um, Keegan Bradley, uh, same thing, major champion. So there's a lot. I I don't know. More recent, you'd probably be able to speak to it better than me. I I think, like, Smiley Kaufman would be one where, you know, he didn't he didn't start on his college team. Like, he didn't make the top five of his college team until second semester of senior year. And then all of a sudden, he got on this, like, torrid run and rolled it 
right into web.com status. And then he won uh, the event on the web and got his card. And then he wins in his first three starts. And it's like, you know, four, if you had taken, if you look four years back, he wasn't even starting on his college team. So that's. Was he in the final group on Sunday? Oh, yeah. Final group. Was that Saturday? That was Sunday? That was Sunday. Yeah. Wow. Because Bernhard Longer was in the group in front of him. Bernhard almost won. That's amazing. <laughs> that was the year Will it won. I mean, that... he'll probably make a cut in like six years too. Bernhard, just a robot. That's that's somebody asked me a question. It might have been you. Like, what would Bernhard be if he um, was playing on the PGA Tour a week in a week out? I did ask you that actually. Like, where do you? There's think... my question of the week. Yeah, I I I don't. I've thought about it. It's like. I, you have to think he'd finish a top 100. I would say yes to that. He might even win on one of the, maybe like Colonial or something. I could see him winning or Harbor Town. You know, probably not, but he could. Yeah. I mean, the guy played in the second to last group at the Masters two years ago. So, I, and he, he played decent this year, didn't he? Or was it last year? I, I, feel, was, I feel like he always plays decent and, you know, it could be because he's anchoring his putter. He is also cheating. Yeah, that's true. Cheating helps, especially <laughs> golf. <laughs> um, all right, here's a here's one about you know bucket list courses. So outside of Augusta, Pine Valley, and Cypress, what are the, your top five bucket list courses right now that I haven't played? Yeah, um, you've played a lot of them. I have played a lot of them. Um, St. Andrews. Yeah. Uh, um, Carnoustie. I haven't played golf over there. I've been over there, but never played golf for some reason. That's kind of a blatant error on my part. Um, so all of Scotland and England and Ireland. Yeah. That you can basically end the bucket list there. Yeah. I, I have I have all of those, too. I, I'll, I'll do states because it, it'll be easier. Uh, we should do a fried egg trip. Yeah, we should. That's I gotta I gotta get married first. Yeah, do that. Just do it tomorrow, and then we'll do it later. <laughs> yeah, nice. At this point in wedding planning, I would love to just <laughs> do it tomorrow. Yeah, we're just gonna head out of town, elope. Um, I would say uh, National Golf Links, Shinnecock, mm-hmm. uh, Oakmont. And uh, Cypress, I can't pick. Pine Valley, I can't pick. I do. Uh, I I want to see Marion. And um, what is that for? And then the last one is uh, I don't know. I'll do uh, off the radar. I I I kind of want to see Essex Country Club. Uh, Essex, Essex County up in uh, in uh, Boston. It's just random. But uh, Marion is for sure on my bucket list. I haven't played there. I'd love to. Yeah, that, that one is uh, that one's high. Um, all right. So this is an interesting question. Uh, Dane Mitro wants to differentiate PGA and, and U.S. Open if par. I think this is a direct question to me because of my just my belief that par is kind of irrelevant. Right. Uh, par is just a number? Yeah, it's just a number. It doesn't really matter. 
but you know it's this made up number that holds like some intention so if par slash close to par slash extreme difficulty isn't a, a primary focus Pep, Kepka in Arizona shot 15 under when he won and at Aaron Hills he shot 18 under so you know what is the difference and it, so I think I, what the way I look at this is I, I look at what Aaron Hills did and it separated the players playing very very good and the players not playing well because you saw people like McElroy, Dustin Johnson, they were shooting over par and shooting 75s because they weren't playing well. But right. guys that were playing well, you know, played well because they hit the ball well. They hit it in the fairway. The fairways were wider, which I think allowed for a lot more players to have a chance in a U.S. Open. I think one of the, the mistakes that we see with, like, it, with golf and it, Everybody, it's like, what is driving? Driving carries such a heavy weight in your typical U.S. Open setup. And I think, so you've got narrow fairways and thick rough, usually. So a long hitter, and you'll see it this week at Quail Hollow, a long hitter is going to miss fairways, and a short hitter, because of narrow fairways, is going to miss fairways, even if you're driving it great. But that short hitter, when he misses fairways is like trying to hit a five iron out of thick rough. Yeah, no chance. Versus a a long hitter like Dustin Johnson we saw at Oakmont is hitting nine irons and eight irons. And like you have a chance to hit those shots out of thick rough. You have zero chance to hit a five iron. So I I don't know. I think an interesting thing with major setups is like they drastically favor the skill of distance and with strong driving ability like accuracy is important but the accurate short hitter on a u.s open rarely wins right it's it's usually the accurate long hitter yeah i think i i just think people don't like change and they didn't you know you don't see the guys gouging balls from the rough up to their knees and the grass flying around like cabbage and all that, I mean, that which I, I enjoy watching that style of golf, but I also, I watched, I think, you know, start to finish Aaron Hills, and I thought it was a great golf course, and basically the moral of the story to me was anybody that had a two-way miss going that week was completely screwed, had no chance out there, and the guys that were able to control their misses and um, know where they were going to miss it, they, they were fine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, and I think it... It allowed for more recovery shots around the greens than your traditional one. That's how, like, Patrick Reed was relevant. You know, he... That was an insane round, yeah. I mean, he, he missed, like, he missed, I think, nine or nine greens and shot 63, which is, I mean, when he hit the green, he made birdie. And when he missed, he got up and down every time, which, I mean, that, that's... He had a couple cool. chip-ins, too, I think. Yeah, he did. He, I mean... That, if that, you miss nine greens at Oakmont, I mean, you struggle to break. You really struggle to break eighty. I feel like. I mean, it, that I, it's a completely different animal. Yeah, it's it's different, and I think that's the big thing is people don't like different, especially right. especially seeing a uh, a long-standing record smashed, you know, right. or tied is uh, you know, and like it, it was close. You know, it wasn't just one guy, just because that's like when Tiger did it. At uh, Pebble, everybody else was around par. And when Rory did it at, at Congressional, what did he win by, nine? Yep. 
So, so it, you know, it was it was the fact that I think there was you know all these guys shooting low scores that that drove people crazy. What do you think? Oh, one Tiger shoots at Aaron Hills this year. I mean, it couldn't be that much better than eighteen, could it? I, I always struggle with this question because the technologies change right. so much. Twenty-two, I, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think he was so good. I mean, I, he's basically got, are these guys are his are the players now better? I guess than the players he faced. They're better than the players he faced. Right, but, I, I would say so too. But has technology allowed more players to be really good? Yes, absolutely. So, so you've got it's not all the players now, but it's a it's a technology. Like one of the things I always go back to is like the hybrid and how easy it's made. Like hitting long, like when you used to have to hit a, a three iron. Golf was extremely way way harder than it is now with driving irons and and hybrids. You know, right. like you, one irons. Yeah, one irons and you know non pro v one balls were. It, I, it's just a different different game. I, I'd love to see the um, pro tracer on the range at like the ninety seven U S Open. Be like watching the soccer team take corner kicks. You know, the guys working draws, fades everywhere, versus today where it's like they're just shooting out of a gun, dead straight. Well, yeah. I mean, that, the, when the ball spun, I mean, that was one of the things that Tiger was so great at. Was and, and he said in his book is, like, with Hank Haney working on all nine shots. Right. It's, I, I don't think you need to have all nine shots anymore. No, it's funny. when I, I remember when I was probably 15 or 16, the guy I was working with at the time told me the best way to practice was hit a draw, hit a fade, hit it high, hit it low, um, you know, one after the other. And now it's like you just hit the ball at the flag or wherever you're aiming because it just goes straight, right? Yeah. It's like, it, you know, it, I, I don't know. It's, it's a whole whole nother can of worms. Yes, it is. So, uh, Michael, how, how do you get from a seven down to a two handicap? Uh, my easiest... The easiest way to do that for sure is inside of 60 yards, I would say. Yeah, I think so too. You gotta, it's all short game and wedges. So what every, if you go up, you hear every, um, every like college player when they get to the web tour, they say, the thing I didn't realize was how good these guys are inside 120 yards. And I thought I was really good. And this is, you know, I remember listening to Ali, Ali Schneider dance talk about it on on No Laying Ups podcast. Um, you know, and this is the number one ranked amateur in the world, and he's saying this. So I think a lot of it also has to do with like how much time those guys practice. But it's like right. everything. I mean, you're you're a better amateur player than me, and I always look when we play and I say, he's way better than me at wedges and inside 120 yards. I mean, I think it's no matter who you are, I feel like you could always answer that question and say, I mean, whether you're a plus four, plus two, six, 10, 12, 15 handicap, how do you get three shots easier really quickly? And with, you know, without too much, you know, mechanical altering is just get better with your wedges. I mean, am I, I think Stricker's about the only person that is as good as, you know, he probably can be 
because he's almost damn near perfect with his wedges. You know, maybe Zach Johnson or somebody, but anybody, even a struggling tour player can say, okay, I can get three shots better at tournament if I just get dial in my wedges a little more. That's I think like that's one of the things that gets overlooked with like strokes gained is um you know like if if you hit a 350 yard drive um on tour you gain like right down the middle of the fairway you gain like 0.1 strokes on the field like 0.1 one tenth of a shot but if you make like a 25 footer you gain like 0.5 shots I don't know the exact numbers and some stats right. guys probably gonna come at me because of it but the same goes for hitting a uh, 100 and 20 yard wedge to two feet you know where you're not gonna miss is you're, you're gonna pick up at least like a, a quarter a half shot right so it's it's the, the inside the closer you get to the hole the better you are the more strokes you gain yeah i mean it's it's especially with the harder golf courses you play or the more under the gun you feel to be able to dial in your wedges is a huge advantage. Like if you're going to play a short golf course, I don't know, some of the courses we play tournaments at where they're like 6,600, it's really not that important. It sounds like it would be, but you're not going to miss many greens. You're not going to get out of position too much. You're probably going to hit it to 20 feet all day, 15 feet. But if you play, you know, a a very difficult golf course, you know, a a major caliber golf course, I mean, no matter who you are, you're going to miss greens. You're always going to be out of position. You're always going to have to try to get it up and down. And so is everybody. I mean, maybe three people playing in the event might not. There might be flushing it that's so good you can't believe. But no matter what, I mean, the harder and longer the golf course is, the better your wedges need to be. And I feel like that's a huge misnomer by people. Yeah, it's like if you, if you get in trouble being able to chip out and, and like being able to get up and down. I mean, like right. those, when you, if you're in the trees and you chip out and you make par because you hit a wedge to eight feet and make the putt, like – you like walk off the tee, you feel like it's a birdie. Right. That's what Jordan Spieth does so well, too. Oh, he does. I mean, he did it to, that was basically the turning point of the Open, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's like, that is like what, why he's so great. Is right. that he, he, he just, he's so good inside, he's so good just inside 150. So, um, all right. Peter McAlpine. What what should he have for breakfast? <laughs> I think Peter should have some Boston cream pies, six of them. They're good for your heart. <laughs> good start to the day. Um, yeah, just get a good healthy start. You'll digest them by lunch. You'll be able to go to McDonald's <laughs> just, for lunch. Just a a true American uh, American uh, breakfast. I, yeah, uh, we're almost a country at war. You got to support the support the country. <laughs> I, I have to say, you have to eat a fried egg. I Yeah, that was too easy. I, I eat a lot of fried eggs for breakfast, you know. I'm a big <laughs> I fan. Do love, I'm a huge fan of fried eggs. Like a fried egg sandwich is so oh, good. You get on a croissant? The, Are you kidding me? And then the yolk breaks when you, you know, when you cut into it. Yeah, I'm getting a semi right now. Yeah. That sounds delicious. I might have to have one for dinner. <laughs> I, I just had some scrambled eggs for dinner because... I'm a bum, and my fiance. <laughs> she out of town or what? Uh, she was going to something, so I I just was too lazy to do anything else. So, eggs. Um, all right, we're gonna get to some overrated, underrated here. 
Um, Lincoln Duff, this is very timely. The Eclipse. I'm going to say overrated. I think the sun in general is overrated. I think uh, Elon Musk is probably developing another sun right now as we speak. So I'd say I'd give it another six months to a year till we are done with the sun. <laughs> I'm going to say the eclipse is... Um, I think it's overrated because I feel like every year it's like we have one thing that they're like oh, this isn't going to happen for, like, another 250 years. Or this isn't going to happen for, like, another 50 years. Like, my mom That's so true. always is telling me, like, some random thing with the moon or the sun isn't going to happen for another 50 years. But it's like, there's one of these every year. So, really, it happens every year. I'm definitely not. I mean, I'm if I'm, like, if I remember, and I'm sure I will because of Twitter, but I'll probably check it out but I, I i never am one to like go outside to see you know saturn it looks like a fucking light in the you know a million miles away you know it's like i have not much interest in that I'm not a big astrology guy yeah i think astrology is like palm reading you mean astronomy <laughs> astronomy <laughs> i'm not a big astronomy guy i am however a big astrology guy <laughs> scorpio for those of you wondering do you have a do you have a regular uh, regular uh, psychic? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I, it's actually included in my health insurance, so it's nice. Really? Yeah. That's kind of amazing. I bet I bet a psychic could help golf games. That might be another way to get from a seven down to a two. Go see a psychic. Yeah. I think the the really good ones, from what I've heard, are kind of in like the back alleys of New Orleans. Like if you go if you go to one of those, pay cash, <laughs> give them your social security number. I think that's probably a good good start. <laughs> All right, um, we're gonna get back on golf here. Uh, next, overrated, underrated. David Hazen, Cameron McCormick. You probably know a lot. I you know I know he teaches Zalatoris and uh, Connolly, who's they're both unbelievable, obviously. Connolly just made a big splash at the open. I would say underrated because I honestly don't know that much about him. Yeah, I I think he's he's underrated. I think he uh, he's like a modern, a, a soon to be modern day Hank Haney, David Ledbetter. Uh, he's got he's got speed, which obviously helps. Butch, I mean, like you could throw Butch Harmon in there too. Um, right. But you, he's got speed. He's got. And then he's got these boyhood sensations. He's just got all these boyhood sensations. Like Spieth, <laughs> Spieth was, you know, we've been seeing him on TV since 15 or 16. Um, and then you've got Conley, who he looked like he was 12, but he was, what, 20? And he's right. play, playing professionally on the on the Challenge Tour. Um, and then you've got Zalatoris, who won the U.S. Junior, and he'll probably be on the Walker Cup team. And I... I how could he be overrated? Is my I question. saw Conley at the Azalea a couple years ago um, during one of the practice rounds, and him and his it what it was his it's like Canada's coach or whatever were um, had one of those electronic levels on the putting greens, and it just made me realize I had no chance that week because I was like these guys know every little detail. 
I, and I'm just kind of I'm more worried about where I'm eating dinner that night. It's kind of funny. I'm sad. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how the um, like when you uh, like these college kids, like it's just like it's it's such a different game now because of like the Stracoline, the reading green reading books, the yeah. the I mean Trackman, like it, it, I didn't used to know like if I was optimizing my launch angle. Yeah, no clue. Yeah. You know what I think teachers should have to do, too? All we ever hear about with teachers is, like, their success stories. I want to hear some, like, I want to hear about their bad students. Like, who who went to them and, and just bombed out? Was a good player, and then they just completely massacred their game? Yeah. like I, Yeah, we, we should, you should do definitely do an article on that. I mean, like, there's one guy who's massacred backs. Um, but, you know, like... I hear Charlie Wee is doing wonders with KJ Choice Game. I want to know more about Charlie Wee's teaching abilities. Yeah, I do too, actually. Does he prescribe? Like, is he a stack and tilt guy still? That kind of went by the wayside quickly. Yeah, I, I think technology might have ruined stack and tilt. Yeah, you know what's funny is we were, we were kind of talking about this on a text thread the other day about how funny it is that like the golf swing evolved so so drastically in like 10 years but with technology have we finally gotten to a point with trackman and everything that it won't change that much in the next 20 years because mm-hmm. i mean the, the the difference is i think the way i described it was like you know 20 years ago to now i mean another 20 years you could be pointing your toes at the targeted address you know it's that much of a crazy difference in a lot of the a lot of the different swings taught, I'm curious if technology has put a kind of kind of put a damper or halt slowdown at least on the changing of the golf swing. It's like it, it led to like a rapid change, but now I think like where it, where it changes is like now it's going to be all of this training that you do to like further and further optimize and the physio stuff like. TPI and all that. Like I, you know, like this, um, the Western Am. I, I, I'm walking through the, the lobby at Skokie Country Club, and some like 17 year old is talking to the, um, talking to like the physio guy they had there, like the, the massage guy, the stretcher, and he's like, yeah, my, my certain flexor muscle just feels a little tight, a little tender. I need it worked out. And the, the physio guy goes like, have you ever had this kind of like, you know, thing done? And I, I'm like, it, I felt like they were speaking another language. Got to activate the glutes. Yeah. Who knew Tiger was ahead of his time when he said that? We kind of grew up playing golf at a, at a time where it got, it started to become working out was kind of with golf was kind of a thing. I don't know what year exactly, but at some point when, you know, I'd say when I was 15 to 25, somewhere in there, it That's became a workout sport, you know? 15 to 25, quite a accurate. <laughs> so basically at half my life. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I, I, it had to be Tiger. Cause I think it was Tiger, yeah. Is you know, like the long hitter before Tiger was John Daly, and I don't think he was working out. Right. It's, um, I'll never forget that PGA Tour commercial where Tim Heron is sitting out eating a hot dog outside the exercise room watching Jesper Parnovic ride the stationary bike. 
Sam. There's not there's not many lumpies anymore. There needs I, to be some. I know you had you had uh, Heron. You had Craig Stadler, the Walrus. The Walrus. <laughs> what happened to Kevin Stadler? He got hurt, I think. Or yeah, I, I saw the other day that he was like starting his comeback, but like I feel like he's been gone for five years. Yeah, <laughs> five years sounds low. Like I guess like Shane Lowry's a bigger guy now. Um, feisty Irishman. Yeah, but like the the lack of big guys is is kind of alarming. Like, yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain. They're all, it's like they're all the same build, you know. John Rahm is bigger, but it's not like he's like he's not Craig Stadler. No, I don't even I don't even know if that's fat. No, it's more of like just big boned. He's just big. Yeah, he's a big. He could play linebacker. Honestly, like I've just got through the top twenty, and Rom and Hoffman are the biggest guys. That's really funny. Uh, so, yeah, Patrick it's Reed. Out. Patrick Reed. He's, he's like, a little chunky. He's like doughy. He's not fat. You know. Right. He's um, kind of got my build. Yeah. He's a little doughy. <laughs> I'm doughy too. I sit at a computer all day. <laughs> Ditto. It's uh. Duff, it does Duff, wonders. Duffner's a bigger guy, but not like he's not he's not Stadler. Duffner's like the new Duvall, just completely fluctuating his weight. You never know whether you're gonna get skinny or pudgy Duff. Yeah. It, it seems like Pudgy Duff might be a little bit better at golf. Yeah, Pudgy Duff is for sure better at golf, I think. It's um Yeah, there there's nobody. There's like no one in the top fifty that you would say is is like Craig Stadler. At all. So there you go. It's it's done with. It's gone. It's gone. Physio. Maybe this is a we. You know what? I, a topic came up on another pod about having like a a stock market for players in the world rankings, and being able to bet on a stock market. Like I think this guy who's ranked a hundredth is going to go up. That would be really cool. I and, like that idea. And being able to short a guy rather than a bet event to event being able to like you know essentially bet on their success over the next year and a half and then and, and then knowing when to sell them yeah i like that idea a lot i i think it needs to happen we just probably need a really big bank roll i feel like somebody tried to start a sports futures exchange a few years ago it might be like five years ago Kind of like the futures market in bonds or equities or whatever, but I think it fizzled pretty quickly. What what I, top ten player would you short? Hmm. You got DJ Spieth, Matsuyama, Rory, Sergio, Rom, Day, Stenson, Norin, or Fowler. I think there's there might be one that sticks. Stenson. Out. I was gonna say it's gonna be one of the Swedes. Yeah, Stenson or Norin. I, Norin, you know, he's apparently really polarizing on Twitter. People love talking about you know um, whether he deserves to be ranked that high or not. But I mean, he's pretty solid. Stenson's kind of at the end of his career. But I mean, I feel like if it were a stock market, those guys would not be in the top ten. You know what I mean? They wouldn't be the ten highest prices. I guess that's true because then you could buy somebody. It would be maybe you'd have to be the bank 
Like you'd have to bet against a bank because when they go up, like I owe them, but they have to sell, you know? I'm going all in on Xander Shuffle stock. I, who would I be buying? Xander is kind of, he's kind of got some big nuts, you know? Like he, he wasn't really like a high profile guy because he like didn't, he didn't like kill it on the web tour or the web finals, but I don't know who I'd be buying. Your boy Trey Mullinex. I I like Trey. He he might not get to keep his card, so that that have to be a long term buy. Yeah, it's uh, I, I mean I'm actually fascinated by this idea. I'd probably buy uh, uh, I I like Daniel Berger. Ooh, I think, that's a good one. I kind of think. He, I feel like he's got, like, that irrational sense of confidence. Yep. He's, like, you know, like, that, like, the great basketball players, like, the great bat scorers in basketball have, like, where they just shoot at will because they... Right. I, I think I think Berger is a guy that's just going to... He's going to win a lot of tournaments. Um, I would bet that Berger wins a major for sure at some point. He could win this week. He could, absolutely. Paulie, I think he's on my DraftKings team, actually. I hope he wins. Pauly was talking about this grass that they have that certain people play really well on, and one of the spots is TPC Southwind in Memphis, where Burgers won the last two years. Yeah. So, um, all right, last last overrated, underrated, and uh, it's from the the angry golfer in Glenview. <laughs> Ladies' Day. I would say Ladies' Day is very underrated. I'm a huge fan of Ladies' Day. It's usually at some obscure time, you know, Tuesday or Thursday morning from 8.15, 8.45 in the morning. Um, I'm probably not playing golf those days anyway. And when I go to the course that afternoon for my scotch game, the pins are easy. It's birdie pins. You know you're going to get some action in scotch. And uh, it'll just be a blast. So I, I, Ladies' Day, they should do it every day. You know, another underrated aspect of it is that if you go there in the morning and you forget it's Ladies' Day, I forget a lot of times um, about, you know, things. If you go on Ladies' Day's morning, uh, it is, you know, you have to practice. Like, and I, I should practice more. That's a very, very good point. Like, it forces you to practice. Yeah, you're like, oh, God, now I got to go putt for like an hour and a half. Yeah. So I'm I'm all in on Ladies Day. They could make, you know, and you wouldn't get mad. You wouldn't play and get frustrated. Yeah, I, I'm actually now I'm so convinced they should just ban men. <laughs> <laughs> I am all in for the the first or if it exists, somebody let me know. Ladies only golf course. That is interesting. I wonder if that exists. Like there, there's got to be one somewhere. Tom Doak, England or something. Tom Doak brought it up uh, when I had him on the pod. Is that he'd love to see a ladies-only or a lady a course designed for women, and I'm all in on that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I think I I think that's a great idea. I'd love to play it too because it would yep. expose how bad I am. Sometimes for fun, I play um, the ladies. I mean, I have a couple times this year played the ladies' teams with my fiance just because I mean it's fun. You know why? I mean, I'm not. Just the two of us are going out playing. I don't need to beat myself up and, you know, grind five irons from the tips. 
Yeah, when I when I worked at a golf course, um, I would regularly play nine or even eighteen holes from the ladies' tees to see how low I could shoot. Yeah, I, and it's also a confidence builder. You make you know you make nine birdies or seven birdies or whatever. I mean, you feel like oh, okay, I, I remember how to make a birdie. And it's all, it's it goes back to this whole thing of it's you're going to practice a lot of wedge shots and a lot of different. Little short shot. I'm gonna go play the ladies' tees one of these days. You definitely should. You get so many awkward shots where you don't even like think about like weird 50 yard open face shots over bunker. You know, you just you get some really really weird shots that you actually come to realize you're better off being like 130 in the middle of the fairway than where you just you know drove it on the 290 yard par four. You know, pin high left, dead. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's funny to realize that stuff. I, I, you know, playing the ladies' tees, maybe even playing in ladies' day as a man, as a man, might be my new thing. I don't blame you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> On that note, I, I, <laughs> I don't think so I you're, could go. you're you're going going the other way. No, I, I don't think I'm gonna play the ladies' day, but I'm gonna play the ladies' tees in the next probably two months. Nice. I like it. All right. Well, we're done with this. You know, uh, we might do this more often. Let us know yeah, if you like it. Yeah, mailbags are fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, hey, thanks for coming on. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me.